Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller, sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly. Hey, Bobby. What's up, Brian? We are in episode two of series 13, and basically this, is, this series is all about kind of resetting and clearing the noise. We are now deep into the fiscal year or calendar year, depending on how your business runs. And Bobby, we were kind of discussing in the first episode in this series how we've talked to a lot of people and there's a lot of stress out there and anxiety. We've picked a difficult career path, no doubt. And um, this, this series is really all about how you're investing your time. That's what we covered in the first episode. The second episode is how do you, and that's what we're going to cover today, how do you stay mentally and physically healthy? We're going to give you kind of three strategies to help with that. And then uh, next week, we're going to cover a career refocus. So if you if you want to just take a deep breath and kind of reassess where you're at in your career, we're going to give you a few tips on how you can um, just take a step back and reassess where you're at in your career. Yeah, Mama always said, if you want to make the big bucks, you got to work hard. And while this isn't the career for faint at heart or the ones who want to be able to turn their phone off and take the weekend off, uh, it is one that you get rewarded for if you put in the hard work and you accomplish the goals that you're asked to accomplish. No doubt. And man, I was just talking to somebody actually that was looking to make the move over to London. And we were joking about he had lived in, in England for a little while. And he joked about how in in the UK and really across Europe, when you take a holiday, you take a holiday. Like you can turn your phone off. You can feel no guilt or remorse for doing that. And if you live in the States and listen to this podcast, which is about 85% of our listenership, you know that that's a very difficult thing to uh, to really take a deep breath and take off. Yeah, I was really going to ask you, what was it like? Because you had some holidays over there, and I'm thinking you're probably working seven days a week again with no real breaks. <laughs> and that is, uh, that's the case. <laughs> um, I mean, it's good and bad, right? I mean, there's nothing... Uh, there's nothing better than taking two weeks uh, in Italy to uh, drink Tuscan wine and uh, and have the phone turned off. I can't can't argue with that. That's a that's a good way of life for a couple of weeks. And man, do you ever you come back so recharged, like and back at it and ready to go. Um, whereas here, you kind of like you're kind of never turned off in a way. It's uh, it's it's hard stuff. Yeah, and I knew you would be right back in the seven-day-week work stream, but uh, I bet you vacation a little different in the future, and uh, that's not a bad thing. We need to all take a deep breath, and that's what this is all about. This is not about how to run like Brian, for sure, but this is definitely about how to take care of yourself and how to realize if you are on seven days a week, what, what are the things you might need to do to try and keep on track and then keep focused on this ain't so bad after all. I agree. And just to, to clear it up, so I'm, I'm exaggerating on seven days. Like it's seven days because we just moved back to the United States just four months ago. So it's uh, we're kind of getting to this point where we're getting unpacked and getting the house set up and all that kind of stuff. So it's not all work and it will start to uh, it will start to ease up a little bit. But Bobby, to your point, we're going to cover today. Uh, staying mentally and physically healthy. We've got three broad strategies, and we'll talk about the details underneath those as we go along today. The first one is negative visualization, which um, you'll take a double look at until you hear us describe this a little bit, unless you kind of 
read some of the Stoic stuff out there and this will be quite familiar to you. The second one is guarding your time and how to say no. Probably that's your that's your favorite, how to tactfully say no, how to really protect your time. I like it. Yep. And then the third one we're going to talk about is my favorite. This is where I am most passionate about. That's exercise and diet. Um, so we're going to cover those three topics today and let's uh, let's jump right into it. Let's do it. First things first, so negative visualization. Bobby, were you familiar with this uh, theme before we uh, talked about it in preparation for the series? I was. uh, I do a little bit of it, and I've heard Tim Ferriss talk about it a lot. So we've talked about the four-hour work week and how much I've changed my life on some of the concepts around that book. But uh, his podcast and some of the things he talks about, it's always about – he says he tries. I'm not sure he always tries it, but he tries to live in denim – and eat uh, canned beans for three days in a row to see how bad would the world be if you lived in a $4 million home and ate a can of beans every day for three <laughs> days. But, uh, yeah, he's he, he says he does this exercise where he takes three days to either fast or eat beans or something like that to see what, what really would be so bad about it uh, to reflect on the greater good. I think this is more about visualizing eating three cans of beans. But, yeah, I think it would be great practice for many people. Um, we've joked on the air and off the air a little bit about uh, my ailing mother who we're all going to get there. We all have an expiration date, unfortunately, but my mom's been going through some dementia and stuff like that. And every time you talk to her, even 45 minutes ago, when I talked to her, you would think it's the end of the world, uh, in her mindset. And the reality is, is she's still able to live alone. She still walks around, still feeds herself. Doesn't quite have 110% of the memory she had before, but, I can think of millions of people that would love to be able to walk around, be able to make their own food, be able to eat their own food. And it's just, it's so damn disheartening for me to, to try to tell her and then her not recognize how good she still has it. And the fact that she's letting it all just walk away from her because no pun intended, she's so depressed about where she's at and she's got it pretty dang good. Yeah. And I, for those of you not terribly familiar with this concept, it, it came, well, I'm sure it, dates back even further than this, but where they kind of take it, this concept from is from the Stoic philosophers. So if you've, there's some great books out there, we'll link to some of this in our show notes, but Epictetus, Marcus Aurelius, and Seneca, Marcus Aurelius and Seneca have probably the two of the most popular, I say they're books, but they're really writings that have been converted into books. And it's great stuff. The core of this idea is to neg- uh, to visualize negative outcomes in your life. So Bobby, it, the in, in using the case uh, for your mom, it would be her visualizing, um, man, I, it, this, it could be a scenario to where I'm wheelchair bound or bed bound, right? but I still have mobility. I still can eat the foods that I enjoy. I can still taste the foods that I enjoy. And you contemplate and visualize your life without those things. And then it helps you appreciate the things that, um, that you do have. And I, this, this is really top of mind for me. Um, you know, at the time of this airing, it will be one month past the 17th year of my remission checkup for cancer. And that's a stressful time period for me, uh, making these trips down to Houston. And I, I would say that I, as I distance from the appointment, from the, from the cancer appointments, my mindset shifts away from appreciating the feeling of being alive. But oh, I can imagine. <laughs> as I lead up to that week, the weeks prior to that, it's very much hugging my kids a little bit longer, hugging my wife a little bit longer, taking some time to spend time with friends and go to coffee, have coffee with friends and, and just 
appreciate life because, you know, leading up to that, that, that appointment, if it's the cancers in my lungs, I'm gone in six months, right? So there's some, it's, it's a very real, um, yeah, it's a very real thing to, to visualize negative outcomes. And, you know, that's, that's on certainly on the extreme ends, but, you know, I, I look at the time I spend with my kids. I, you know, Bobby, we both have joked about on um, this early part of the podcast, and as we've been friends for a decade now, the uh, our feelings of, of of being in careers that didn't have a um, that didn't have an end goal, right? Like, didn't have any sort of financial freedom uh, for that end goal. And I think back to how hard we were working cleaning office buildings and doing a little IT support for companies, and just barely scratching by. Um, and I think back to that time, not because I want to dwell on the pain, just I want to remember how how good things can be and how kind of blessed we are to be in this industry. Well, I told a number of stories today about my days in law enforcement and, and really reflected in real time with these guys that I was sharing these stories with today that, you know, th- that was a time where I made really no money. My wife made no money. And while, while things weren't terrible, they were never anywhere near as good as they are today for me and for my family and for my kids. Um, my dilemma now is like, is one of my 12 planes free so I can go fly and see my daughter for dinner? That's like a big bad day for me. And then those days, you know, were we going to be able to eat out that weekend was like a big deal. And it wasn't every weekend we could eat out. So I think sometimes, and, and God bless you for what you've been through and are going to go through every year for the rest of your life. My wife's a survivor and that, that physicalness is something that we all take for granted, no matter what we say or do until we get slapped in the face with something. But it's also really our financial situation, our home lives. I joke and it, and it might not even be comparable, but my son's a golfer now and he has a bad hole. And I'm like, dude, there are people starving just five miles from here. They can't even eat. And you're going to complain that you're on a country club, one of the two that you're members of, and you're having a bad day on the golf course. I mean, that that's not that bad. So sports figures can do it. We can all do it. But it's not all physical. It really is. The situation as a whole, anybody listening to this podcast probably doesn't have it too bad. Could we make it better? Do we want it to be better? Sure. But it's not that bad. Yeah, and it's not to say that there aren't real things like depression. So please don't take this that way. Um, if you're listening, you know depression is a real thing. Um, you know, but I think what I think what Bobby you and I talk about most, and in, in what we've I think what I've appreciated about our friendship over the past ten years is we're, neither one of us are complainers. I remember the only thing that <clears throat> there was something that I was unhappy with at work at one point, and I remember calling you and being just a little bit. Because we just don't have that relationship where we would call and complain to each other. I remember, like even being a little tentative, like man, I, you know, I feel a little weird complaining about things because we do have things good. Uh, when we were running through a scenario and kind of, kind of reassessing uh, from a career standpoint, uh, years and years ago. Um, so I, yeah, I think this is it's one of those things to where if you're in a pattern of complaining or you're in a pattern of kind of feeling, feeling sorry or whatever, this this may be a good. Um, opportunity to take a take a step back and think about things yeah good call out on the depression stuff because as you said it is real and part of that law enforcement conversation was about people hurting themselves so if you really feel down please get help please call us nothing's that bad that you you should want to feel like you want to hurt yourself or anybody around you so 
please take that to heart. Give me a call personally uh, or email me and I will call you. Um, nothing's worth that much. But at the same time, we're talking about visualizing losing a deal. Like how bad yeah. will it be if you lose that deal? How bad will it be if the deal closes next quarter versus this quarter? We're not all in bad situations. But if you negatively visualize, quote unquote, a bad scenario or the worst case, I lose this deal, you'll realize that it's not really career ending. It's Your car might wait another month before you can buy it. That's the visualization we're talking about. Agreed. Okay, so next up is guarding your time. Uh, this is one, I don't know that I'm great at it. I'm trying to get better at it. Um, I, I think there's kind of two dimensions to this. Uh, the first one we've touched on very briefly is that, that negative people in your life can monopolize and dominate your time. Even when you're not with them, it can mean that you're thinking about or frustrated about the scenarios that are being brought up. Um, if you're not careful about it, uh, you can dread the time with those people. I, I just I would emphasize don't and we talked about this in weeks uh, prior. Don't allow negative people to steal your time and energy. Um, talk you know talk about I mean even with even with my. Um, Friends and family, I, I don't I don't allow myself to get so, one thing I am good at in this scenario, and I'm, there's a lot I'm not good at in this scenario. One thing I am good about in this scenario is not allowing negative conversations to start and not putting kindling wood on those negative conversations. Um, so I, I really try to guard my time as it relates to uh, to negative conversations uh, or talking about other people. That kind of stuff uh, really uh, grinds my gears. Um, one thing I'm not great at, and Bobby, you're probably better at this than I am is I saying no, saying no politely. I, you know, I, we talk about all the time, please reach out to us on LinkedIn and, and Facebook or whatever media and, you know, text us, whatever. We love talking to you guys because you're the one percenters that are reaching out to us. Those are interesting conversations. They're fun conversations. Uh, what I'm not great at doing is saying no to scenarios. I should say no to how, how, how do you manage that Bobby? Well, I'll tell you, no, I'm not going to talk about that topic right now. I'm going to go back to the negative topic real quick because there's some important pieces I want to talk about there, and then we'll talk through it. But see how easy that was to just say no? Um, <laughs> the negative stuff is you, you nailed something. And I, what I would say on top of what you said is the customers that are negative. Yeah. Man, I've been around a long time, and I've had, I've had what I would call uh, – well, I can't say that on this podcast because it's marked clean, but there's people that take advantage of vendors and they really take advantage of vendors. I've had the customer call and say, hey, do you know how I could get football tickets to the uh, that OU Texas game at the Cotton Bowl? You know, you're talking extremely expensive and rare tickets to get. And in essence, they were asking me to buy the tickets. Um, but I've also had just mean people. Actually, that person was actually very mean, too. Um, and I, I sometimes put up with it early on in my career, midway through my career and even late in my career when it was worth a lot of commission checks and revenue to the company. But I, I would say they, they were mostly damaging to me, uh, my own personality, my own self-esteem. I don't think you have to put up with customers like that anymore. So don't let those negative people as customers take advantage of you. And then negative friends and, and coworkers, man, I, I, I can tell you a handful of people that I wish I'd never worked with. And those people probably don't remember working with me much because I just steered clear of them. And the last piece of, about the gossip, I think you were talking about just gossip and the, the negativity and the spinning things out of control. It, it, it has no place in or out of work. Uh, 
And today with social media, that stuff can spread so fast. So to really, really avoid that. So stay away from negativity. Now, back to the other piece, the no. I think, again, I hate to give him too much credit because people are going to stop listening to our podcast and listen to his. But I think from Tim Ferriss's perspective, uh, he's interviewed a lot of great people and asked them some similar questions. And quite often it comes back that you shouldn't do anything that you don't say hell yeah to, right? Like that you really, really want to do. Yeah. Um, and so while it's not always easy, and I we kidded about it on other episodes where I, I say, yeah, I can come to your event when I never plan on coming because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, to ultimately say no is freeing up my time, freeing up my time for my family. And an article I read recently uh, of a conversation between Bill Gates and Warren Buffett was one that said, you know, Warren Buffett only takes like one meeting a day. Uh, and he feels like the majority of his day is time to think and just reflect and do what he wants to do. If he had a full calendar, his reflection is, how could I ever do anything that I want to do? And as as powerful and as important and as, as many people that probably want to talk to Warren Buffett, if he can keep seven hours of his day clean, I can probably keep two hours of my day clean for just thinking, reflecting, and, and not getting caught up in things that I don't say hell yeah to. Yeah, there's a great quote that says, show me your calendar and I'll show you your priorities. And, and if, we're saying we, if we're saying we can't find, like you said, two hours of, you know, working on a, a project we want to work on, taking time for... Um, meditation or prayer or, or whatever it is in your life that is is uh, sacred or important to you then then we have allowed our priorities to overtake um to, to or we've allowed our priorities to get out of whack i i think there's a and, and and you don't get me wrong i absolutely love where i work there is a another great great quote and i'll, I'll botch the quote but it says uh if you're to die tomorrow the company will have a job rec posted for your job in what, 24, 48 hours? Probably. No doubt. I mean, if- and I, I remember Steve Jobs saying that he loved doing what he did. I read his autobiography and he woke up every day as, as maybe as hateful and unhappy as he might have seemed to be. He thought he was changing the world and obviously rightfully so. He probably did and will for many years to come. But he loved every minute of what he did. And I, I do, I challenge myself sometimes. Is, am I doing what I want to do? And I think I am. I really enjoy the two or three kind of quote unquote jobs or things I'm working on today and right now. And I don't do a lot of things I don't want to do, which kind of are my priorities. But that doesn't mean that it's not always hard to carve out time to exercise or do some other things. And I think that's our next bullet really is you have to have a sacred time of day and and you have to protect it. And you have to do what really is the most important during that sacred time of day. So for you, Brian, what's your sacred time of day? For me, it's the morning time. So I'd, I'd say there's kind of two. One is uh, for me, I do a Bible study in the morning. Um, I, I work hard to have that as a repetitive thing that I don't ever let get in the I don't let anything get in the way of that. Um, so that's really important to me. Um, my kids sporting events are incredibly important to me. Um, have my physical exercise, my diet, those things are important to me as well. And then from like a work and professional standpoint, um, and this there's ebbs and flows and it's a spectrum, but I, I can, if things become, begin to start spinning to the point to where I don't have good control on it. I, the first thing I can measure to say things are getting out of control is by looking at my calendar 
in recognizing that I'm doing far too much of X and I need to be doing a lot more of Y. And it may not be possible to fix it that week. It may not be possible to fix it the next week. But if I can make a conscious decision, take a step back and say, this is not the way I'm going to run my business. This is not the way I'm going to run professionally. Then I can affect that change. But if I just allow myself to be a victim of my calendar every single week, week in and week out, without taking a, a stab at it, then I'm the fool, right? I'm the fool for not for not taking control of my life. Right. Yeah, and my sacred time is probably in the morning as well. I, I think I, I think I try to carve out an hour each day. It, it doesn't always happen, but I really try to carve out an hour of each day to get caught up. You, you've heard if you've listened long, you've heard of my stop the madness time on my calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, today, I, I think I sent you a text during the beginning of that hour because I knew I'd been overrun all day with side conversations and meetings and stuff, and I, I, I had some real work I had to get done. So I closed my office door and I worked for about an hour and then we started 30 minutes late. But you've got to protect that time because if I wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't be any good right now. I'd still be worrying about all those other things. And I don't think when you're in the height of career development that you realize how bad everything is because you're not fixing some of those rudimentary things that you got to fix. So while you're young, while you're trying to climb that corporate ladder, you've got to be diligent about having that sacred time and protecting yourself and doing what we're talking about here, staying mentally healthy and physically healthy, or you're, or you're going to be a total jerk at the end of your career and no good to anyone, customers or company alike. Yeah. So Bobby, this is probably a good time to talk about a new sponsor and something that's personally uh, really important to us. Tech Sales Lab. Tech Sales Lab is the only place with a platform and people to help you start a career in tech sales. Furthermore, anyone in tech sales can find the training and help they need to accomplish any of their career goals. And they cover everything from sales enablement training to one-on-one coaching. Tech Sales Lab can meet all of your individual or company's needs around sales training. TechSalesLab.com is offering Tech Sales Show listeners a way to win. If you go to averageistheenemy.com and sign up for the Tech Sales Lab newsletter, you'll receive weekly tips and tricks. And if you refer your friends, all of you will be entered to win each month. In the month of April, Tech Sales Lab is going to draw for prizes like AirPods, Oculus Go, and Amazon Echo. For each person you refer, you will receive two entries into the April drawing. If you know anyone that would like to get into Tech Sales, they're offering a 50% off for the first 10 people that register for the certification program. It guarantees a job in tech sales or they'll refund 100% of the investment in the program. Tech Sales Lab is where tech sellers are made. So Bobby, let's let's talk about some of the no's, some of the overarching no's that you have in your life. I don't know that I have a ton of these, but there are some for me that are um, that are really critical for me. Uh, it, maybe there's maybe there's like a spectrum on the nose, right? Maybe oh, it's... I think you have more than you know you have, and I'll talk about that in a second. But go ahead. Okay. All right. All right. So I'd say two of the nose for me are um, three drinks, no more than three drinks at any work event. Period. And usually it's two, but three is kind of my max. Uh, we went to we went to Vegas last month for our uh, sales kickoff, which is obviously a quite common uh, place to go. Uh, it, it's it's if anyone listening that knows me knows that I hate Vegas more than anything. It's it's uh, I don't enjoy going to Vegas. Um, and for me, I try to get in bed by nine thirty uh, every night. I'm in Vegas, and that shows what big of a wuss I am. But that's a that's a big one for me. 
Yeah, I can't. Uh, I'll just go ahead and throw out. I'm not a three drink only guy. I'll I'll let the company buy me some drinks, and it's not always worked out well. I can assure you too. But um, I'll try your three drink minimum or maximum in the future uh, for sure, because it probably would save me some later nights and uh, some some headaches for sure. I, I I'd say what I think you're thinking about in this part, Brian, is you're thinking about some of the overarching no's that are negative no's. But I'm going to throw out one of my overarching no's that I think is positive in tech sales that, that very few people can say, in my opinion. And I, I would absolutely never, no, ever, 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 absolutely screw a partner. And when I say that, I mean stab them in the back, steal a deal from them, cut their throat, cut their pricing, not make the deal uh, a win-win for them and for the customer. And people are still in astonishment when I absolutely won't do that. They'll say you could make so, you know, you could make so much more commission if you took this deal direct. I've heard every reason and excuse in the world and in the book on why I should do it a different way. But I can tell you everyone that's ever worked with me. And and I, I don't think anyone, any, if you're out there and you can, I'll give you a hundred dollar bill. If you can tell me the time I screwed you on, on a deal or anything, I have never done it and I won't do it. And, and most often my deals or my, my closing, uh, final closing argument for a deal is for the partner to make more margin if they can pull it across the line. I never take or steal from a partner. Um, so that's an overarching note that I could one. talk about forever. Uh, we are going to have an episode coming soon about Better Together and how partners, vendors, and systems integrators and services partners alike should work together for the greater good. And it'll benefit everybody. But I, I can tell you, one no for me is I've never and won't ever just screw a partner to make a few more bucks or help a customer save a few bucks. Yeah. And if you're in alliances or if you run partnerships, um, it's worth having a conversation with Bobby. A lot of our, a lot of the creative work that's been done over our 10 year history has been in relation to partners And um, yeah, so I can vouch for that one uh, for you a hundred percent. Well, now that I put that spin on it, I guess, do you have, do you think you have a few more overarching no's? I mean, you've got some no's that are on the positive side of that fence for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know that I've really, I don't know that I've really thought about it. I'm sure there are. I, I think the would you steal or short side a customer? No, certainly oh, not. Okay, certainly so not. There's I a lot of those positive that, ones that that are there. Yeah. That maybe some of these newer people listening to our show need to think through. I tell people all the time. I have my core rules around this stuff when it relates to partners. And because I've spent time thinking and building these core rules, which maybe are some yeses and some no's as it relates to negative stuff, I, I don't question them when it comes to time to make a decision. I don't have a debate. Um, I don't claim to be stoic, but when a problem presents itself because I've created my core principles about how to partner, I don't I don't struggle with it. I, I, I see people struggle with it all the time. Oh, what should I do? This seems like the time I should do something different. I think if you've created those core principles, which we might take for granted at year 18, 19, and 20 of our career, some of our listeners might not. It's a great, that's a great exercise. That's what I'm going to do. That's a great exercise. Great way to think. I, I, one, one that came to mind, my father-in-law has been a great mentor to me uh, professionally. And he would always, we, we were talking about uh, in previous episodes, Bobby, about, oh man, this is like, I, I, I need to get this management job. Uh, this is like the only job left. It's the only job left in territory. And I, 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 I bellyache to my father-in-law 
you know, over a glass of wine or something about how, like, Bob, this is it. I got, I got to win this role. And he kind of laugh, you know, he, not laughing at me, but just kind of laugh at the short-sightedness of my approach. And so I guess the no there is what he would always tell me is don't, don't ever say, don't ever say never for that role. Don't ever say this, you know, I would never do this role or I must do this role. Don't speak in absolutes was probably his biggest piece of feedback to me. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And it's been very true. Like I think back to things I thought I would never want to do or do. And, you know, like two years happens fast and two years changes a lot of priorities. I guarantee it. All right. Uh, so third and finally is uh, exercise and diet. Um, this one is one that's uh, close to me. I'm maybe a little obsessive compulsive about this one. Oh, just a little. Just a little. Uh, I really, I really enjoy. I really enjoy the um, exercise and getting fit, staying fit. I just think it has such downstream benefits to everything: family, work, uh, everything, um, mentally as well. Um, but you weren't always this way. Like, what? What for us? Those of us that are still overweight and still want to do better and struggle with the monotony of running and riding and everything else. Like, what was the light switch that came on for you? What was the one thing? Because uh, it wasn't. I know it well from my perspective. It wasn't your cancer. It was somewhere in the last six, seven to ten years. You really flipped. I mean, we both ran yeah. the same marathon together. Why are you so much faster than me? I hate it. Um. Well. You you can catch up. I'm sure I I would say. I would say, um, well, I'm I'm super competitive, and one thing that helped was, and we'll we'll have him on as a guest here soon. We we've got to have him on as a guest, Dave Jimenez, in the Dallas. If you live in the Dallas Fort Worth area and you've been in IT in the Dallas Fort Worth area, you you know Dave. Dave is one of the nicest, sharpest guys in the industry. Period. And I we keep talking about having him as a guest. I'll, I'll make it happen. He runs a triathlon program called Octane Athletics, and it is all about focused on coaching the individual triathlon sports. So I got into running just from buddies. We did a challenge. One of our friends was a sommelier, and we said, all right, everyone's got to run one mile per day for the month of December, and whoever runs the fewest has to provide the wine for the, for the group um, for that night. And like he has expensive taste in wine, so the thought was it would motivate everyone to not have to buy that bottle of wine. So I, I ran that, and then I just it just clicked for me. Like this is what I should be doing every single day, and that was what clicked for me. So I would say start slow. The biggest thing I when I talk to people that are getting into this, they they put on their Garmin watch. They you know they go out and buy the three hundred dollar Garmin watch. Great, love yeah. it. We're all we're all gadget geeks. I can appreciate that. And then they try to run an 820 mile when they haven't run for a decade. And that's incredibly, some people just pull it off, right? Those are the people I hate. Uh, but a majority of the people, 95% struggle, get frustrated, their legs hurt afterwards. You know, they bang up their shins doing it. I would just say, take it easy, take it slow. And then secondly, the, the part I was talking about with Octane Athletics is have a program like a group that it's, it's, it's different than an accountability group, but it's just a fun group that you can go run with or go cycle with or go swim with. Whatever your thing is, uh, try to find a group that you can participate with. That really helps. So if I'm that newbie, I'm out there listening and I want to get in shape, I want to get more healthy, 
I know what they're thinking. What what is an okay first mile? I mean, what should I run my first time? Run it in thirteen minute minute mile. Thirteen, yeah. Who cares? I just ran a half marathon in like eleven fifty. So yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, it's slow. It's disappointing for me for what I did a few years ago, but. You know what? A lot of people didn't get up and run that half marathon. So kiss it if you didn't get up and run a half marathon. I did. <laughs> so it is. It's run your pace, run your speed, but just go run some and, and get a little bit more healthy. So um, it, it, it never hurts to be outside doing something like that. Sign up for an event. Sign up for a 5K. I, I find that if I've got an event, so I've got upcoming the Chicago Marathon at the end of this year. I didn't have to qualify for it. I'm not a crazy fast runner, but there is a lottery system for it. And me and a bunch of buddies got in. We're going to make a week out of it, taking our spouses. Um, It's going to be an absolute blast. Have a bunch of good dinner out there and, and then run the Chicago marathon, put a 5k on your calendar in three months from now. Bobby, how, what percentage of our listeners could complete a 5k in three months? 101%. I mean, there's no, everyone can. That's, it does. It's 3.1 miles. If you ran 13 minute miles, that's 36 minutes of running. If you started running five minutes today and added 10 seconds a mile until three months was up, you would probably have it licked. Um, and you would feel wildly accomplished. When they put that first medal around your neck, it truly is something that you'll want to share with friends. Brian, our first, my first half with you, I think was your second half marathon. It's still framed less than six feet from me because it's a big deal. And um, I've got every medal and every bib hanging on the wall behind me as well. So I'm proud of them. Agreed. I, I am too. It was, it, it is a lot of fun. I'd say if you're, let's say that you're kind of mildly into it and you want to get more into it. If you're in cycling, there are some great programs like Zwift or trainer road. So if you put your bike on a trainer, you can really, I'm, I'm very much, if you, if folks can't tell by listening to the podcast, we're very much into measurable outcomes Trainer road for me is a measurable outcome. You have a functional threshold power, which is how much power you can put out hypothetically in a one hour period of time. Trainer road impacts that and raises it. So I am on trainer road manically. I use, we've talked about this in previous episodes too. I use whoop for heart rate variability measurements. Every, I sleep with a device every night on my wrist that measures the variability in my heart rate, which impacts how recovered my body is for the next day worth of exercise. I've got the Normatec recovery device, which is kind of think about it as like these big blow up things that go on your legs to help move blood flow, increase blood flow, help impact recovery. Um, I have a pretty aggressive diets um, that I, I try to kind of manage my weight a little bit, try to keep my weight manageable so I can run a bit faster and cycle a bit faster. But if you want to chat more about that, and there are some people that are far faster than me that listen to this podcast, uh, so I'd love your advice, uh, but if you're looking for advice or want to chat through it, um, I would love to to ch- talk more about that with you. Well, and the only bullet you skipped was cheat day. Let's talk about cheat day. I that's my that's my exercise. Is I have seven cheat days. I I really don't think for me it's the output. I can go run and do all that and ride. It's the input. So uh, maybe a whole other episode on 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 diets and and what we should be doing. Obviously, intaking less and putting out more, but. Uh, You'd be surprised. If you know me, you know I've not always been somebody who exercises, and I think I've ran uh, somewhere in the tune of 20 half marathons and I'll say somewhere between 8 and 10 triathlon sprints since we ran the Austin Marathon four years ago, and that's that's a lot of uh, exercise for sure. Indeed. Yeah, and the cheat day for me, Bobby, is just on a Saturday. I like to 
I, I have these kale smoothies two times a day that are full of vegetables and um, light, light protein. And then Saturday, I like to go out and have a little, have some margaritas and have some Mexican food now that we're back in the States or have, uh, have a bunch of beef ribs on Saturday night. So I don't really, I, for, I don't have that, that craving like a lot of people do for food. So I'm a bad person to talk to about that unless you just want my geeky diet. Happy to share that. Um, but I don't have, I've joked with my wife that if you told me a shoe was healthy, um, I would cut it up into small enough pieces to consume the shoe. I don't really have that 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 gene that causes me to be super hungry. Hmm. Good stuff. All right, so that is it for episode two. We talked about negative visualization. We talked about guarding your time. We talked about exercise and diets. Uh, last week we talked about investing your time. Where where are you spending your time? That will be a good indicator as to your your stress level and, and what you're focusing on. And then next week, Bobby, episode three will be a fun one, and we'll use that to wrap the series up. We're going to talk there about career refocus. So if you're in a spot where you're stressed about your career, uh, stressed about the things that you're working on, we're going to give you some tips to uh, help de-stress you. Sounds good. As always, average is the enemy. Average sucks. Thanks for listening to the Textile Show. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until next week, average is the enemy.